Today we're going to talk about lasting love, specifically growing a love that lasts a lifetime, because in your lifetime, lots of things are going to change, some for good, some for bad. But there's one thing that's never, ever, ever going to change, and that's God's unconditional, unrelenting, undiminished, everlasting love for you. And that's exactly and precisely what you and I are to build our lives upon to position ourselves to have the very best possible life that all of us were created to have. Think of it this way. God's love is like a lane on your road of life which connects you with forever. And for some of us, God's love and that lane on the road to life looks a lot like this picture on the screen. That's a 10-lane freeway at maximum rush hour clogged and making little headway. It doesn't mean that God's love isn't in your life. It just means that God's love doesn't move you as it could in your life. And thus, as we're traveling down the roads of our lives, whatever lane you're in, typically we are not focused on God's love in the same way that God's love is focused on us. Because God's love is much more like this picture on the screen. It's an Autobahn in Germany, an expressway that has no speed limit at all, where things there travel very freely and fastly with little things holding them back there. And that is the nature of God's love for us versus our clogged freeway lane of love at rush hour that's moving very, very slowly. But God's love, and he wants us to experience it, is not to first be flying around at 150 miles an hour carelessly, crazily, but he wants us experiencing his love and savoring it on our road to life. And that means taking in God's love like spiritual breakfast each morning to nourish us. It means like putting on God's love like spiritual clothes to envelop us, like driving around in God's love like a spiritual vehicle to guide us. And like walking around in God's love, like spiritual shoes, cushioning each step. And then our road to life will look much more like this on the screen. A beautiful, unencumbered, uncrowded road lined with the beauty of whatever it is we're doing and the beauty of whatever is before us as we're traveling through. So having a loving heart and spirit is a choice that we're to wake up to in terms of the understanding of what God wants for us and what we really want for ourselves. And it's a choice. It's a choice of either choosing that road of life that is clogged and cluttered and slow moving or choosing the road of life that's unencumbered, uncrowded, lined with the beauty of what can be found in whatever you're doing and whatever you're traveling through that day. So having a loving heart and spirit is a choice that very first of all we're to wake up to in terms of understanding what God wants for us, what we want for ourselves each day. And the choice is to be nourished by his love, like spiritual breakfast as we wake up, by putting his love on, like spiritual clothing, to envelop us, and by riding around, and you could say in his love, like a spiritual vehicle guiding us each day, walking around in his love, like spiritual shoes to cushion each step. Because God's love is reliable, it's unchangeable, it's consistent, it's dependable, it's steadfast, unwavering, it's enduring. And no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad or how good, putting on God's love each day is going to radically transform your life. But you have to let God's love nourish you each morning without fail. Just like you wouldn't skip your breakfast. Some of you said, but I don't eat breakfast, Bill, so I don't know how that applies. Well, here you go. With God's love, you also have to let it envelop you each morning, just like you wouldn't leave your house without clothes. 
You have to let God's love guide you each morning without fail, just like you wouldn't leave your car at home to guide you around all day long. And also, just like you wouldn't fail to put on your shoes each morning, you need to also have God's love to protect you and cushion each step of the way. You see, God's love is really every bit as essential to you as those things are that you'd never leave home without. Yes, God's love is reliable. It's unchangeable. It's consistent. It's dependable. It's steadfast. It's unwavering. It's enduring. God's love is the most valuable resource of your life. And the crazy thing is God is never going to love you any more than he does right now. And he's never going to love you any less than he does right now. And that means God's love for you and for me from this very moment forward is everlasting, endless, going on forever. And that means when you're face to face with God, when you die standing right there in heaven before God in all his glory, all his might, all his power, with his love overwhelming you right there before you, you'll be able to literally touch You'll be able to taste. You'll be able to be filled with and feel the fullness of God's love completely. And that's not a different love that God has for you right now. It's just we're not tuned into it in the way that God intended. You see, we are to touch his love. We are to taste his love. We're to feel his love. We're to be filled with his love. We're to be fulfilled by his love as a building block thrusting you into tomorrow and all of your tomorrows forevermore. That's what we mean by growing a love that lasts forever. And God expresses his love in this way. In Jeremiah 31, 3 in the message, saying, I've never quit loving you and never will. That means God's love is right there in front of us all the time. It's expressed so simply, in fact, I think we miss it. And part of the reason that we miss it has to do with what John 15, 12 in the New Living Translation says. It says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. And that's tough for us because often our love looks a whole lot more like shades of this. I have realized that in both loving and giving, I am cautious. I only let go of what is required of me. I only love a little bit at a time and sometimes not even that much. The way I show love is safe to the people I know and I know love me. I don't jump at the chance to show love that won't be returned or that I won't see appreciated. There is a story in the very beginning of the Bible about us being made in the image of God. So this question, where is the love I mean, if we were actually made by love with a purpose to love, why is it that we have such a hard time really loving? Good question. With all that God has shown us about love, why is it that we have such a hard time actually loving? Well, there is an answer to that, and it comes to us from the very definition of love itself in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, as we see here. Love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So why is it that we have such a hard time really loving? Because we choose the opposite road of what 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 tells us. Because sometimes we choose impatience. Or we are unkind and we envy. Sometimes we boast and we're rude and we're self-seeking. Sometimes we get angry and we do keep a record of how we are wronged. Sometimes we delight in evil and untruth. Sometimes we don't always protect all that we should. Sometimes we don't always trust, don't always hope, don't always persevere. And thus, the essence of God's love in us fails. And that's why we have such a hard time really loving. And it all has to do with that C word. While God's love is unconditional, ours isn't. We instead prefer to conditionally love others, which means even though we don't realize that our terms for love are that others have to earn it. That feels a little more comfortable for us, a little safer. And if others fail to earn it, and others fail to maintain it, then our love for them gets put on the burn pile. And all those things in 1 Corinthians 13, well, they don't really apply anymore. But just uh, it's a little bit of chlorine in my morning hot tub keeps the water clean and pure. So too does God have an ingredient that keeps his love for us clear and pure each morning. And it's the same ingredient we are to use to keep our love clear and pure as we start each morning. Anyone guess what that is? It's grace. And as we're talking about building a lasting love today, here's the thing. Lasting love extends grace. Today in America, the divorce rate is 41% for first-time marriages. It's 60% for second-time marriages. And the divorce rate for third-time marriages is 73%. Evidently, grace becomes less and less a factor in multiple marriages. And you'd think just the opposite was true in the pain of ending a marriage. But the truth is, anyone can fall in love. It's like falling in a ditch, you know, ka-ching, oops, I fell in love. Anyone can fall in love, but it's a whole lot harder to stay in love. And the reason is because you have to choose grace over and over and over again. Because when the fruit of anything that happens in your life becomes greater than the fruit of grace in your life, then that leads to the end of something. So lasting love extends grace. There's no relationship, whether it's marriage or any other, it's going to last without grace and forgiveness and acceptance. Now, most of us would probably admit it's easy to show grace one time. Hey, disappoint me one time, I can forgive you for that. Even hurt me one time, and I can forgive you for that. But when disappointments and hurts go on and on and on and on, it can raise the stakes to a whole other level. It's beyond the resources that we think that we can muster on our own. But these words, love is patient, in the New International Version, uh, when translated in other versions, really gets down to the nitty-gritty, as in love never gives up. Love never stops being patient. Love patiently accepts all things. Love is always ready to make allowances. And to fulfill what God is saying, there are actually three levels of allowances that grace and love call you and I to make. And the first level we call distractions. Now, these are irritations, they're annoyances, 
I have a friend I go serving with a lot, and I have something I do that really irritates him. I like to crunch ice as I drink. And since we have a light meal before and after we surf, and I usually get a to-go cup, then part of our journey to and from the beach is having me crunching ice, and it's an irritation to him. On the other hand, I always like to change out of my wet board shorts and rash guard after surfing and into dry clothes before getting into my car with light-colored cloth seats to keep them looking good. But my friend, he never does that. Instead of leaving his wet clothes on, and I have to get out this waterproof seat cover that I keep in the car, put on the seat after we get out of the water each time to keep my other seat clean and dry. Now, thankfully, those things only rise to the level of irritations, which we both have let go of. In other words, they don't matter, and that's what irritations are. Minor differences in relationships that don't really matter unless grace fails to touch them. And beyond such attractions, there's a second level of allowances that grace and love call us to make, and these are called disagreements. A couple of weeks ago, two people in Tavares argued about picking up a dog, and the person with the dog refused, and the second party returned with a gun and started shooting at the person, hitting her two-year-old daughter, thankfully only grazing her in the side. And this was outside of their apartment, where it seems like serious disagreements seem to be the norm, as police have been called there five times in the last two months. And then, too, there's four months ago, where this fellow went to the movie with his wife, and argue with a man in front of him who was texting on his phone in the theater. And after the man threw popcorn back on the other guy, he ended up shooting that man and killing him right there in the movie theater. You see, from God's perspective, disagreements are deadly when they rise above the distraction level without grace being a buffer. Because then the hope of God's love goes right out the window leaving a vacuum that destruction rushes in to fill. And beyond distractions and beyond disagreements, the third level of allowances that grace and love call us to make concerns disappointments. Now, it's odd to note how distractions, disagreements, and disappointments each kill love in their own unique way. For distractions, which again are irritations and annoyances, they can be like an itch that we can't really seem to scratch And that distraction can take us out of God's love. Disagreements, on the other hand, can heat us up so much inside to the point that such disagreements can burn a hole right through God's love. And disappointments, they have exactly the opposite effect on us. Disappointments turn our hearts cold and actually freezes out our capacity to love, causing us to throw our hands up and give up. And certainly we can see that coldness and loss of God's love as the divorce rates grows larger beyond first marriages into second marriages and third marriages with people throwing their hands up and simply giving up. Proverbs 17, 9 in the New Living Translation gives us an antidote to distractions, disagreements, and disappointments. It tells us disregarding another person's fault preserves love. You know, I heard about this lady who said to another lady in church, do you remember when your husband did that? She was talking about a very bad thing. And I really like how that woman responded to her saying, well, I distinctly remember my forgetting that event. That's a choice. Distinctly remembering to forget. And why is that? It's because love disregards another person's faults. And that preserves love. 
Ephesians 4, 2 in the New Living Translation adds this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Notice it says be humble, be gentle, be patient. And do you consider yourself a loving person? You probably say, yeah, I do. You consider yourself a humble person again? Yeah, I do. How about a gentle person or a patient person? Sure. But here's the thing. You're actually none of those if you are critical of another person's flaws. You're not humble. You're prideful. You're not being gentle or loving if you criticize someone else's faults. Because love is patient. Love never stops being patient. Love never gives up. Love is always ready to make allowances. And all of us need an allowance. The rest of your life, you need grace allowances in all of your relationship. Now, my loving wife, Patty, there's, a, of course, a lot of times she does this, but particularly there's a couple times each week that she gives me special grace allowances. The first is some Fridays and Saturday nights when I get PMS. That's pre-message syndrome. And I go, oh, God, this isn't going well. This isn't good enough. And I'm feeling pressured and a bit short on time. The other time she gives me extra space and grace is Sunday afternoons, my time to unwind. We all need to load our relationships like that with pre-grace. In other words, we know in certain places and at certain times we need to bring an extra dose of grace. Just bring out the grace before it's needed, like a shield to deflect so many of the slings and the arrows that distractions and disagreements and disappointments have for you before they actually impact you and take root. On the other hand, all of us have this most curious similarity with certain frogs. How? Well, let me tell you. When things get really warm and rainy around my house, frogs get really happy. And at night, sometimes all night, they croak really, really loud in my backyard. It seems like right outside my bedroom window. So I look up on the internet, and how do we get them to stop? And I discovered that some of them, when they croak, they have this muscle in their throat that cancels out the sound in their brain. They can't hear how obnoxious they are. If they did, it would drive them crazy and they'd die. And sometimes we can be like those frogs. So too, we need to load ourselves with pre-grace towards others in how they treat us and how we react to them, but also need to offer grace to others in how we may be obnoxious to them like our frog friends, without our really realizing it either. I'm sure some of you have noticed in personal conversations with me, when I start telling a story or making a point or a comment, I can go on a little longer than necessary. Some of you are thinking, a little longer? But I ask you to give me grace, okay? Keep that to yourself. Next time I do that, please don't start croaking at me to remind me of that, okay? But it's true, I realize that, and I consciously... Try to put the brakes on that. We all need to do that in our interactions with others. Why? Because to put it simply, we're all imperfect people. None of us have cornered the market on getting everything right. And that inability shows up in our dealing with others again and again and again. The only person who hasn't done that is Jesus, who in his ultimate moment of love for us said this in Luke 23, 34 in the NIV. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We always take that to mean, Father, forgive those who have arranged for me to be crucified on this cross. It doesn't mean that. 
But Jesus also means this applies to all of us who are constantly doing things to each other that are crucifying and killing God's love among us because we don't preload our days. We don't preload our lives with grace when it comes to dealing with those we know and comes to dealing with those that we have yet to interact with. The truth is, it's all about love. Our lives have been created to live in a way that it's all about love. And that's the title of a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman that echoes what God is showing us today. Listen to its words. Now they're fighting in the Middle East and they're fighting down on 7th Street and there are fights in my own house It's like something's looking deep inside Can't seem to be satisfied But life was not meant to be lived this way Cause it's true for every That's right. It's all about love. So won't you let God's love calm the itch of your distractions, cool the heat of your disagreements, warm the coolness of your disappointments? Because as 1 Peter 4, 8 in the New Living Translation tells us, most importantly, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins, which are distractions our disagreements and our disappointments, often without our even realizing it, do kill God's love in us and among us. So, most importantly, let us continue to show deep love for each other. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your word this morning. And may we just look inside and may we see those places in us that we allow our distractions and our disagreements and our disappointments to get the best of us and to effectively cap your love and kill your love in some instances. And so, Father, we pray today that you would help us to realize that. This next week, Father, when one of those kinds of things arise, may your love arise to an even greater place in us, Father. And so fill us with your love, and may we be able to be nourished on it each morning as our day begins. Let us envelop it like we put on our clothes, just completely filled with it. Let me travel in it, Father, and let us also, Father, be cushioned by it as we take each step. 
So thank you, Father, for your word and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.